congressional district stretches along much of South Carolina's southern coast. It is the only district among South Carolina's seven House districts with a recent history of changing hands. It went from Republican to Democrat, now back to Republican. In the November midterms, two candidates are vying to earn your vote. U.S. Representative Nancy Mace and Dr. Annie Andrews, a pediatrician who's now a politician. You can listen to my conversation with Representative Mace in an earlier episode of Let's Talk. Here is my conversation with Dr. Annie Andrews. Dr. Annie Andrews, thanks for speaking with me. I know you are very busy right now. Let's get right to it. We are exactly one week from midterm elections on this day. So give me an idea of what's on your schedule for today. Yeah, so I'm very excited to actually be heading out the door to vote right after we finish this conversation. I'm going to be meeting my parents at the polls, which is just going to be, I think, a really special moment for all three of us. And I have several other media interviews lined up, and then I'll be attending a Get Out the Vote rally in Somerville this evening. Why have you decided that you are prepared to represent people in the 1st Congressional District right now? You know, I've had 13 years of serving this community in my role as a pediatrician at the Children's Hospital, and I honestly can't think of another position that would connect me more deeply to my community. You know, I've had the privilege of caring for kids from all up and down the coast of South Carolina, all across the state of South Carolina. And in that role, I get to interact, you know, with real children, vulnerable children and their families every day. And it has kept me really connected to the challenges that folks in this district are facing. Not only that, you know, I have a background in healthcare and a background in science, and I use data and expertise to inform my policy positions rather than so often we see up in Washington, D.C. folks, you know, just voting on very hyper-partisan lines and doing what they think is most um, efficient to um, elevate their political career. I'm not interested in a career in politics. I'm interested in solving the problems faced by folks in the low country. You're married with three children. Tell me about the conversation with your husband and your children when you decided to run for the U.S. House of Representatives. Yes, you're right. I'm married to Charlie Andrews, who is also a physician at MUSC. And, you know, when we when we got married um, 12 or 13 years ago, I don't think he ever imagined that this is where our life together would take us. But he is incredibly supportive and he understands my passion to fight for a brighter future for our children and for all the kids I care for at the Children's Hospital. So I'm so blessed to be married to such a supportive spouse. And he has been incredible throughout this campaign, really picking up a lot of the household duties like cooking dinner, shuffling the kids back and forth to their extracurricular activities. And I knew as soon as I had the idea to run for office that he would be incredibly supportive and stand by my side. And that is exactly what he has done. My kids have also enjoyed being out on the campaign trail. You know, my oldest is in fifth grade. She's very tuned in to um, current events. And, you know, she actually has a personal goal herself of being on the Supreme Court someday. So so it's been incredibly um, exhilarating, honestly, to be able to role model for her what it can look like to be a woman leader, to be a working mom, and to be someone who's not afraid to step up and use my voice and fight for the things that I care about. And my other two kids have also enjoyed very much coming to the campaign events, and often they actually get to introduce me before I speak. And so it's just been a really great family experience. 
so far, we've seen record voter turnout. I just passed a long line of people voting at one of the early voting locations. Why do you believe people are taking advantage of this access to the voting booth early? So I've spent the past few days at some of the early voting locations, and folks are just really happy to have a convenient way to get their voices heard. You know, increased access to the polls is something that increases the health of our democracy. So I'm so pleased that South Carolina passed this early voting bill, which allows folks to vote. No excuse, early voting. It's super easy. You know, people have been really enthusiastic that I've come in contact with at the polls, and I'm just so excited to hear hear that early voting numbers are up. I think just like me, people understand that so much is at stake this November and they're not willing to stay on the sidelines. So I'm so pleased to hear folks are turning up to vote early. Let's talk about the fact that you are a physician, you're a pediatrician and you want to be a congresswoman. So how would this impact your ability to serve your patients if you're in Washington? What would you do? When I went in November, I planned to resign my position at MUSC. And, you know, I think it'll be actually very hard to step away fully from the practice of medicine, which I truly do love. But I plan to term limit myself. I want to serve three terms in Washington, D.C., solve some problems, and then come back here to the low country and practice medicine and enjoy time with my three children. We do have a shortage of some specific types of physicians, and we certainly have underserved areas in the more rural parts of South Carolina. But, you know, we, my group at MUSC has been able to hire, and they're fully staffed right now. They're very busy dealing with respiratory viral season, but... My partners at work understand that what I want to do in Washington will help improve the lives of children all across the low country. And so my friends and colleagues at work have been incredibly supportive of my choice to step away for the short term. You have had to step away from your job as a result of you said that you and your family felt threatened as a result of uh, comments that were made by your opponent, U.S. Representative Nancy Mays. Can you explain why you stepped away from your position at the hospital? You know, my livelihood depends on my ability to work as a pediatrician. I'm also a mom. My children are in school. And this was an incredibly serious accusation. And I think, unfortunately for her and so many other politicians, it's a game. All it takes is one, you know, one bad man with a a weapon who hears these attacks and decides to come find me or find my partners or find these children in our communities. I don't provide gender affirming care. It's not within the scope of my job as a pediatric hospitalist, but sadly I do care for these children when they show up at the children's hospital after they've tried to kill themselves because of bullying from adults in their lives. What is your greatest concern for people who live in the first congressional district? You know, we have so many challenges that we are facing. And, you know, I, just like everyone else in this district, am struggling, you know, with how to get this inflation under control. You know, I grocery shop for my three growing and very hungry children. Mm -hmm. And I've also filled up my car a lot the past couple months driving up and down the district. So I know we have to be laser focused on getting prices under control. What, you know, what I've been disappointed to see is there have been some steps taken in Washington, D.C. to help people with their bottom line. You know, the bill to hold oil and gas companies accountable for price gouging at the pump, the bill to cap the cost of insulin, the bill to allow Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices and to cap the out-of-pocket costs for folks on Medicare for prescription drugs. We are facing a global problem, which is inflation, 
which is the result of a global pandemic. But we got to get serious about solutions. And unfortunately, I think for too many lawmakers in Washington, D.C., they're more interested in the problem than they are in solutions because they think the problem is convenient for them politically. Let's talk about your position on some of those key issues. You certainly mentioned inflation already. Let's talk about issues such as restrictions on guns, legalization of marijuana and access to abortions and transgender affirming treatment and surgeries for children. You spell out your position on these issues on your website. Let's go back through them with a sentence, if you could, on each of those issues. Let's start with gun restrictions. What do you want people to know is most important and what you will do in Washington as it regards the restrictions of guns? Gun violence is a public health crisis, and it's the leading cause of death for children in this country. My primary goal will be to work to pass universal background checks, because without that, a lot of the other laws we're talking about won't make a difference. We have to get serious about keeping guns out of the hands of dangerous people. Access to abortions. As a doctor, I understand that abortion is health care, and I support what we had under Roe, which is the mainstream medical opinion and the opinion of the majority of South Carolinians, which is abortion access up until the point of fetal viability. And after that, it must be a decision made between a healthcare professional and the woman. The legalization of marijuana. So I support full legalization for marijuana, both for medicinal uses and for recreational uses. And again, that position is in line with what the majority of South Carolinians want. Transgender affirmation on children. So I do not support gender-affirming surgery on minors. I never have, and those surgeries have never been done in the state of South Carolina. But I do support gender-affirming care, which in its most basic form means being kind to transgender youth who are incredibly vulnerable and at increased risk of suicide and self-harm. You have had to care for children who've been the victims of gunshot wounds, and you've described that in great detail What is it like caring for these children and supporting their families? It's heartbreaking. And I just, you know, I wish that some of our elected officials could spend a day in the pediatric ICU or the pediatric emergency room or any part of the children's hospital, because it really would take talking to one child who has been the victim of gun violence, talking to one parent who has lost a child to gun violence. I truly believe that if our elected officials could have that experience, some of them might be willing to do the bare minimum and start to get serious about passing common sense gun laws. You know, I take care of kids who have been the victims of unintentional shootings because adults have failed to securely store their guns in their own homes. I've taken care of kids who have tried to kill themselves with firearms. And I have also taken care of kids who have been victims of community gun violence, which is just far too common in our community. And I will not sit on the sidelines. And regardless of the outcome of this election, I will continue to fight to pass common sense gun laws that are supported by the vast majority of Americans. Because again, this isn't a political game for me. This is real children in our community who are losing their lives or being permanently disfigured and harmed by gun violence. Can you clarify your position then on the Second Amendment and a person's right to responsibly have a firearm in their home? Yes, thank you for that question. I absolutely support the Second Amendment, and I believe that it is everyone's right, if you are a law-abiding citizen, to be a gun owner. And my positions on common-sense gun laws do not conflict with the Second Amendment. You know, I've read several stories lately about my position on assault weapons. 
Um, assault weapons bans are not gun confiscations. Assault weapons bans include stopping the future sale of assault weapons. And that is something that I would work towards. But honestly, my priorities, like I said earlier, are on expanded background checks, raising the age to purchase assault weapons, federal secure storage laws, federal red flag laws. Again, all of those are supported by the majority of Americans, and none of those laws conflict with the Second Amendment. And do you believe that if those ideas were enacted into law, that that would in fact have a great impact on the number of young children who you see in your practice at the hospital? Yes, without a doubt. We know from other states that have enacted some of these common sense gun laws that they do efficiently and effectively decrease the rate of gun violence. You know, I wrote a paper with my colleagues at MUSC that showed that over the past 20 years, the rate of firearm deaths among children has continued to increase and in 2019 became the leading cause of death for kids. For so many decades, motor vehicle collisions have been the leading cause of death, but because of our failure to act, because of our failure to pass common sense gun laws. In 2019, gun violence became the leading cause of death for kids. And I know from the data that passing a secure storage law, passing a red flag law, enacting background checks on all gun sales, that these laws would reduce the incidence of gun violence in our community and in communities all across this country. What do you want people to know about what you will do first when you, if you in fact are voted into office? I just want people to understand that they can count on me to always tell them the truth. You know, as a physician, it is my duty to be truthful with the parents of the children I care for and with the children I care for themselves. You know, really in no other profession could you keep your job if you were dishonest with your, you know, your customers, your patients, or your constituents. And we see so much dishonesty and lack of integrity in Washington, D.C. So I want folks to understand that If I am elected, they can count on me, even if we don't agree, they can count on me to always tell them the truth. And they can count on me to be unwavering in my positions and understand that my positions are informed by data, science, and experts. When a bill crosses my desk that I lack the expertise to fully understand, what I will do is seek out that expertise because as a sitting member of Congress, you have access to the world's greatest experts on everything. But we see far too often people, again, taking votes that their party tell them to take, taking votes just based on party lines, and that is not what people will get from me. I have no interest in that. I want to go to Washington, D.C. and solve problems. And again, I think our priorities must be getting inflation under control, protecting our democracy, and restoring women's reproductive freedom. If, in fact, President Biden does run for office again. Will you support him? I noticed that you don't talk a lot about the president on your published platforms. Is this someone you would support? Yes, I think, you know, if Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee for president in 2024, I will support him. Absolutely. You know, I'm deeply concerned about Donald Trump being on the Republican ticket again. We cannot go backwards. And I would be, um, absolutely supportive of the Democratic nominee if that is President Biden. Is there anything else you would like to add as it regards your campaign and the next seven days of the election process and people getting out the vote? What do you want potential voters to know? 
I want voters to understand that this is a different election. You know, when Roe fell, this was an unprecedented assault on the rights of half of the voters in this district. And even if you are someone who has typically voted Republican, I want people to really consider what values matter to them, what issues are most important to them, and to understand that voting on inflation might not be the most effective strategy because within months, Inflation prices are going to come down, but if we let Republicans gain control of the House and the Senate, there will be a national abortion ban. There will be slashes to Medicare and Social Security, and it will take us decades to restore those programs and to restore women's reproductive freedom. So this is an election where so much is on the line, and I want people to feel comfortable crossing party lines, splitting their ticket, and voting for people who will fight for the things that matter to them. And again, you know, this community has trusted me with their kids for over a decade, and now I'm asking them to trust me with their vote. Dr. Annie Andrews is working to become the U.S. Representative for the 1st Congressional District from South Carolina. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you, Carolyn. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk. Let's Talk is produced by Eric Johnson. I'm the host, Carolyn Murray. We welcome your comments and advice on our podcast, so please write a review and share the link with others. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk. Goodbye until the next time.